0: Hey, everybody, this is Phil Town.
1: And this is Danielle Town.
0: Welcome to the Invested Podcast, where we're trying to figure out exactly how to get you all investing like Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger and me, and I'm teaching Danielle, my daughter, and we've been doing this long enough where I sort of think like it might be time to dive into a real, real amazing world example deeper than we've ever done before.
1: <laughs> yes, <laughs> So, we are breaking into our regularly scheduled programming as we are want to do from time to time, Dad. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Because I know we promised to move on to management, but today we're recording this on Monday, August 28th. And today the Amazon Whole Foods deal closed.
0: It closed? So Amazon
1: and now owns Whole
0: Foods. It closed, and Amazon, Jeff Bezos, immediately threw a bomb into the grocery store world very very interesting so the whole thing and we gotta today. talk
1: about it because we've been following this deal obviously personally because i owned whole foods and then we've been following the deal process itself and so we've we've got to just talk about it today because it's so exciting and there's all this news around it
0: and it really brings up um, um some very very good examples of why moat is so important why we are looking for those companies which have as charlie says an intrinsic characteristic that protects them from competition and it's a durable intrinsic characteristic and you got to look at these these possibilities for companies and say okay these guys um you know they obviously know who they are i know who they are so they're a brand you know but is that enough is a brand moat enough to to, to give you a, a durable characteristic that will keep you in business for a long, long time. Because here's so the thing- So what you're saying
1: is these grocery stores, they don't, so the moat, this this thing that protects you from, from your competition, you're saying these grocery stores don't really have one except for their name and what that name implies to everybody about what kind of experience they're going to have in their stores, right?
0: Right, which is why we really should talk about this as a great example for- um, for one particular kind of moat, which we see all the time out there, which is a brand moat, right? So this is a Coca-Cola, uses a brand moat to protect itself. And um, Harley Davidson has a brand moat to protect itself. And so, y- y- you, you know, so does Abercrombie and Fitch. And so, you know, so does true religion jeans. In other words, if you've heard of them, they have a brand. Now, the yeah. question is whether that's a moat, Right. Whether like whether
1: that's actually a competitive advantage,
0: right? It, it that, is. That's, durable. Least, that's, that's durable. durable. That's durable. That's durable. That's the key thing. And so, let's let's think for a second before we dive into Amazon. Let's think for a second why being having a durable moat is so important. What do you What do you think?
1: Well, if it's not durable, it can be easily breached. And therefore, the company can easily go down like a brick as soon as some better competitor shows up.
0: Right. And what and what that means is if we keep following that, is that it's very difficult for us to figure out what the future cash flow of this business would look like. What would this business be worth in 10 years? if we don't know if it's oh, going to be I there see. in 10 years. As far
1: as like like a rule number one analysis perspective, like yeah. how do I make sure that my numbers, my projections are actually reliable without yeah. some durability there?
0: I mean, we're going we're gonna to discount our projection by 50% to make sure we're not in a position where we have to be really accurate with the numbers. But still, we want to have a pretty good confidence that we're going to be able to sell this business for something in 10 years, that's more than what we paid for it today. Yeah. If we don't have any confidence that the business will really be a strong business in 10 years, then how do we figure out what it's worth?
1: Well, you can't slash it's not worth a lot.
0: Okay, very good. You can't <laughs> slash, okay, it's not worth a lot. And so one of the ways, i mean, just continue to wind down the rabbit hole. One of the ways we could price a company Where we can't really know for sure where it's going to be in 10 years, and it's perhaps not worth a lot, is we could look at its book value, right? We could say, well, okay, it's worth what it would be worth today as a zombie. It's walking around, but it's dead. And you just sell off everything it owns, and you pay off all of the debt, and what's left is what it's worth.
1: Yeah. Okay, but what, sorry, what are we talking about here? What does this have to do with Whole Foods and Amazon?
0: With The larger picture. It's the larger picture.
1: Give me the larger picture.
0: Okay. Well, the larger picture uh, is that Amazon purchased Whole Foods immediately, today, cut prices in stores. Now, we've only got data coming in from New York right now (laughs) because they're not even open probably in California. But the data from New York looks like Amazon is cutting the price of fresh produce like avocados and so on by 30 to 40% immediately. Jeez. Oh, yeah. They are not messing around. Jeff well, Bezos... for a whole
1: paycheck, that's a lot. <laughs> that's
0: a lot. So avocados have just gone from like $3 to $2. The,
1: huh.
0: Unbelievable. And I don't think it's just like, oh, on sale for Monday. I think Bezos no. is going to put them there. And that's where they're going to be. Well,
1: I mean, how Amazon has competed in all of its businesses since its inception essentially they undercut all the book and the brick and mortar booksellers initially by on price mm-hmm. and then they did it on everything else they sold and now they're doing it on groceries it seems even for such a high-end grocery seller like Whole Foods which so maybe this is why you were talking about brand because Whole Foods brand is that of being a fairly expensive grocery store
0: high-quality Really good quality, really huge um, variety and choices in there, and all focused with an idea on the values of Whole Foods, which are very specific about natural food going toward organic and leading the parade, right?
1: Yeah, that's all true. And expensive.
0: And, (laughs) And expensive. And so what would happen if you had that huge brand, which is the cutting edge and has been the leading company in this really sort of secular move that's going on. It's a per, like a permanent move, shifting to more high quality food. And all of a sudden they could compete on price with all the crap that gets sold everywhere else. Oh my goodness, what would people do?
1: Yeah, I mean, gosh, I mean, the answer is they can't compete on price or else they would have done it already. So that tells me that Amazon's taking a loss. On their, ah. or is plan is planning to take a loss on their food. I mean, it's like, it's like what Amazon, again, it's the same thing they've done with so many other things. Like, um, what's that little, that little like sort of bought thing that you buy and you put in your house and you can talk to it and say things like order me paper towels. Oh yeah. Amazon thing. showed me that thing the other day. Yeah. So you know what I'm talking about? Like yeah. Google has one and Apple has one. Everybody has one now. Yeah. Um, they have that thing available for like nothing. I mean, they're taking a total loss on it, and it's because they want to get it into everybody's home. And the, um, like, their e-reader—I also mm-hmm. forget what that's called—that they sell for like fifty bucks, and it should be, you know, a couple hundred. It, they're just, they just—they just take a loss on everything. That's how they do it, and that's how they have slowly and steadily taken over the world. So, yeah, I think that's what they're doing with grocery.
0: It is what they're doing with groceries, except it may not be quite as horrible in terms of losing money as that would indicate um, if Whole Foods, in fact, could have cut price but didn't for reasons um, to protect their margins, which were the by far the highest in the grocery industry. Mar- so this is real important to know, I think, when you're looking at a business, is that the margins on a business are... How much money that business makes when it sells mm-hmm. something? You know, mm-hmm. what, what part of that uh, is profit? So you'd say, oh, well, you know, they have, uh, you know, 20% profit or on that particular thing that they're selling there or 30% profit or 50% profit. And, um, and so Whole Foods is famous for having very, very high margins for a grocery store. Most grocery stores have almost no margin at all. I'm talking about 1% here. They're barely profitable. And here you have Whole Foods that's making money and printing money, right? And they're saying, look, you want to come in here. You want to buy this stuff. We're the only guys around that you can get it from. So you got to pay.
1: All right. I mean, I think Whole Foods used that margin for, in other ways, different than other grocery stores. And that's why they did it. Well, yeah. I don't think that. I don't think that they particularly wanted to be known as Whole Paycheck. I don't think it was like
0: no, they didn't. Mackey's greatest John, John
1: ambition. John, I
0: don't Matthew, think it was an
1: important part of their brand. I think being low cost would have been somewhat opposite to their brand, but being like average cost would have been perfectly good for them.
0: Well, kind of what what a moat allows you to do is to have good profit margins. That's one of the signs of a moat, and one of the ways we score a company. On our, on our toolbox is to just look and see, does it have these margins? And if it has these margins yeah. over a long period of time, like a decade, we give it a good score because it's an indication that they have pricing power. And that's one of the most important things about a moat. Um, I was listening to Warren Buffett uh, talk about this a little bit when he was talking about Coca-Cola, where he said the, the, the power of a brand like Coca-Cola is that they have this pricing power. They can raise their price with inflation, and you're going to buy the product even in deflation because you want the product. So they yeah. have enormous pricing power that comes from their moat. So he just ran some numbers really quickly. He said that Coca-Cola, for example, has 18 billion servings a day, with a B. If you raise the price of Coca-Cola <laughs> a day, a day. A day. <laughs> if you raise it one cent, it's $18 million of pure profit a day a day. Wow. And if you did it over the course of a year, you would add 6.5 billion dollars to your bottom line. So he said that's what makes Coca-Cola more valuable than Joe's Cola is that Joe's Cola has no pricing power and Coca-Cola has enormous pricing power. And so when we're looking at moat, we want to look at that idea, are there good margins and do they have pricing power. So here's to the point is that Yeah. Whole so Foods, is this,
1: are you saying this is ruining Whole Foods'
0: moat? No, not at all. I think it's going, to, um, it's going to increase. Whole Foods has a brand moat, and I think to a certain degree they have a secrets moat, to, to tell you the truth. Um, What's their secrets moat? I haven't read about it in their 10K for a long time, a lot of years. But years ago, when they were first getting rolling, John Mackey, the CEO then, And founder said, we know how to calculate our produce, our fresh produce, better than anybody in the world. We have a system and we have a secret that says, we know how to put all this stuff out there, keep it beautiful, have more of it than anybody, and not lose money on it because it's an expiring asset, right? It goes away Mm. in Mm. a very short period of time. And if you don't control your inventory then you don't have good margins, but we have good margins because we know how to control that inventory. So John was making the case that Whole Foods knows thing about fresh produce that nobody else knows how to do. And, then and it's too. true.
1: I mean, yeah, and they, they do have, have, had, had, have, we'll see. <laughs> it's gonna be really interesting to see if the stores change at all besides the prices in the next few weeks. See if yeah. there's any like on the floor changes right away. You know what um, i would be
0: looking at is whether the people are changing over the next few weeks.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: That's where the you'll people see. It.
1: See if they're happier, happy, right. less happy. Because, right. I mean, Amazon isn't exactly known for having incredibly happy employees. It's going to be, very, I don't know, it's going to be very interesting. And Whole Foods you guys, is known. If any of you guys really work for Whole employees. Foods, send us emails. Tell yeah, us how it's going. We'd love
0: to know how you're doing out there.
1: Questions at investedpodcast.com. We would love to know.
0: And I think um, the initial impact on on employees is going to be very positive because they know that there's blowback on prices. There's always been blowback on prices at Whole Foods. It goes all the way back to the founding, when Mackey and his wife were were building the company. They lived upstairs in an apartment, and they had all. And Mackey at the time was a raving socialist, right? He's a complete radical socialist, and he had all of his socialist friends complaining to him that his prices, he was such a capitalist pig because his prices were so high, he should sell the the things to the people for a very good price. This is when Mackey and his wife were making $200 a month between them, profit in the store and barely staying alive above their store. And so he got really irritated at this whole notion that um, you could somehow know how to run a business by based on what you should be doing for the people. And he, he sort of left socialism and became, a, a, if I could, a, like a radical libertarian. And as now, you know, basically trying to move the world, but do it as a profitable company. And that's what he's done to this point. And well, now, yeah,
1: and, uh, go ahead.
0: And then now what's happened is, of course, companies like Walmart and Costco have used their buying power to come in and threaten that moat, which is the, the natural organic food moat, and uh, and do so with low prices. And yeah. so this yeah. has forced him to jump into the arms of a white knight, Jeff Bezos, who is going to, he I'm sure John believes, is going to keep the culture going at Whole Foods, if he possibly I think he can. does
1: think that so there was a really interesting remember we were talking a few times about how we wanted to know what happened in the background yeah, we were of this guessing. deal. we were guessing <laughs> right. and there was an article in the wall street journal which my friend todd sent me hi todd thanks for listening todd's a fantastic listener and um and sent this to me and i had missed it somehow and this tells the story of what happened in the background of the deal and it's so interesting because i read this article and I seriously, dad, you know, I wouldn't say this if it weren't true. I was thinking to myself, like, did my dad like read this article already when we were talking about it on the podcast?
0: This is my secret. Because... I have time travel skills.
1: <laughs> I was like, did this come out a couple of weeks ago? And it's just, he read it and didn't tell me. Cause you basically totally called it. I mean, very impressive dad. Like really very impressive.
0: Thank you, honey. Um, we should so send the we should send the URL over so people a link over um, and put it on our website so you can link to the article. Yeah, yeah.
1: you've got to you've got to um, pay for Wall Street Journal, I think, to read it. But it's called uh-huh. at least online. It's called Six Other Potential Suitors Approached Whole Foods Before Amazon Deal." So what Dad suggested back a few weeks ago was that he thought that Mackey had probably reached out to Jeff Bezos and wanted Amazon to buy them. And I thought, yeah, I could see it happening. But I don't know if he would really like want Amazon, the behemoth of Amazon to be owning his company. But then when you read this, I started to think, well, considering other options. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And so dad was totally right. He reached out to Amazon. Um, There were, as the headline said, six other companies expressing interest. And I'm sure those other companies were not uh, particularly palatable to John Mackey because he reached out to Amazon, started just discussing an acquisition, and uh, a few others showed up. And eventually Amazon, or sorry, eventually a different company, which they don't name, offered 35 to $40 per share to buy Whole Foods. And Mm -hmm. Whole Foods was basically like, screw you, hell no. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then Amazon offered $41. And dad, you had said I don't remember the exact number you said, but you said somewhere around 40, I think seemed reasonable from a buyer perspective, and somewhere around 45 seemed reasonable from a seller perspective, and they ended up at 42 per share. So Amazon, you were, I mean, you were just so right. Amazon, and by the way, I love this like behind the deal stuff because I'm a deal lawyer and it's just so fun to read like, oh, then this and then this person talked to this person. And it's like total business gossip to me.
0: And it's so, so fun to, to see how um, it's it's not that difficult to, to, to be thinking in terms of a management team, right? When you're looking at buying companies, you want to have a really good management team. Well, when you're looking to sell your company to somebody, and that's going to be the future of your your company. You want to have a really good management team that matches yeah. up with your value set. And yeah. that's when I was fairly sure that Mackey was probably going to be the guy to step over to Bezos, because he would be looking at someone who has has it in his heart to really change the world in a positive way. And the the other offer, one other offer, was coming in from uh, from um, Albertsons.
1: No, which, no, no. They don't say that.
0: Yeah. Um there is an uh, yep yep the general oh, reporting right. 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 one, one of the other suitors, was suitors Albertans. is Albertsons. Yeah. And and so Albertsons has gone bankrupt in the past having its CEO run off with 20 or 30 million dollars and now is back from the dead and they probably have a really good management team that's trying really hard to move the company forward into the future but they don't have a track record of being disruptors of being people who are out to create a great future for the world, you know, and that's Bezos. So I didn't see that, and, and I'm sure he doesn't wanna just go to a hedge fund that wants to, you know, strip it down, pound up its profits and take it back public again. I mean, yeah. I couldn't see that oh, happening.
1: So, so painful.
0: Yeah, so Bezos seemed a really good a really good match to me and and it uh, looks like Goldman Sachs was handling a lot of this and they probably thought the same thing, went straight over you to know, Amazon.
1: It's really interesting uh, from an investing perspective, to think about this when you have a company that is run by its founder or is run by, let's say, like a family uh, office that you know has a, has a deep stake in the company. It's something that you've taught me to look for in a company I want to invest in, but it's also something to think about as those people start to think about selling, that they're gonna be more careful often, not always, but often be more careful with who they sell their their baby to. You know, it's something that's been part of their family, something they nurtured from the beginning a lot of times, and they care about what happens to it, and that really makes a difference in a sale because often it's not, you know, let's say one company offers $41 per share and the other company offers $42 per share, but you know that the $41 offer is going to come with a much better future down the road you could make a good case for that for a bo- to a board of directors. So yeah. I think that's really important to think about as investors looking at companies that might sell one day. I think that's something we should keep in mind.
0: I agree totally and we're going to we're going to dive into management we keep promising we will and it's so important yeah. but I want to bring back uh, this conversation to the moat issue because what happened when Amazon came out with these this price cut? is that the the public uh, prices of stock of other competitive companies just started to fall rapidly. And Oh, um, gosh. So this is just over in the last three days of trading. Okay, three days. Sprouts Farmers Market, which is a symbol SFM, dropped 14% of their entire market value. And the whole grocery industry lost $12 billion of market value in three days. Just because of this initiative by Bezos. I mean, it's huge. Super value stores dropped 10%, Kroger dropped 6%. This is 6% in three days, okay? We don't know where this is gonna stop. And I think yeah. the market is gonna be watching very closely as, you know, Costco, even Target, even is get hit a little, Walmart got hit a little. Um, but, but obviously, anybody that's going out there to try to compete on the basis purely of price in purely the grocery industry. Which and particularly in the organic natural food industry, like Sprouts, they're gonna get pounded.
1: That's tough. Yeah, I, I don't it's think really I'd want to be
0: a Sprouts owner right now. And that's and that's to the point of a moat. So yeah. if, if these guys, if Sprouts has a durable competitive advantage, what is it? How do you how do you prevent competition from coming in, and and re- wreaking havoc on your marketplace? How would you do that if you're a Sprouts? Uh, Owner, I mean, you just look at this and just go, well, uh, any place Whole Foods decides to put a store, we're screwed because we're not going to be able to compete on price.
1: Yeah. I, I don't know. I haven't been in enough Sprouts to really have a sense of the customer experience. But I know that they exist in a lot of places Whole Foods exists. Like they compete against each other in a lot of markets already. Mm-hmm. So, are they competing on price?
0: No, maybe um, they weren't then, but they will now. In other words, if Whole Foods can deliver, no, I mean,
1: like, I mean, like, were they offering natural foods just like Whole Foods was, but at a lower price? Oh, gotcha. And I think, I think generally, they were a lower priced yeah. store than Whole Foods overall. Right. But, um, but I'm not sure how much lower. Like, I, I'd be curious to find out what they are compared to these new lower prices that yeah. Whole Foods is rolling out.
0: I agree, and so what is a, so the moat that we're talking about is sort of a price moat um, potential, which is what Super Value tries to, to stand in there with, you know, Walmart, um, uh, Walmart stores, Costco, those guys have price moats, right? So when you buy product A, you can get the exact same product A, but a lot cheaper, and you go there. And of course, Amazon is famous for disrupting these great yeah. big big box stores who have been competing on price, and they compete with lower prices, and you know they've done an incredible thing. So now you've got these grocery stores that you think like Sprouts would have some kind of a moat. Well, what's the moat? You know, is a brand moat enough to um, to be able to carry you through and make you durable when you've got somebody coming in to disrupt on price with the same quality? even better reputation, even better Well, and I think you just
1: said the key, the same quality. Yeah. That's the key because what Whole Foods has offered and what you've been calling brand moat is the customer experience of really dedicated employees who really know a lot about food and care about it and are experts in their fields. It's the quality of the produce, of the products, that you know that if something has made it into Whole Foods, it comes from a good place. It's probably sustainable. It's, you know, they haven't hurt the environment horribly by creating this product. Right. And that, knowing that, I mean, that's honestly, that's a lot of the reason I go to Whole Foods is that I know I won't waste my time sorting through a bunch of crappy stuff I'm not gonna buy. I know that I would be willing to buy pretty much everything on those shelves. So right. now, with lower prices, can they still provide those things? That's, and we'll just have to see, or or does it drag the whole thing down into some sort of mass market?
0: Well, let's like let's make a couple of assumptions. As, situation. As, <laughs> as business analysts uh, for 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 rule one style business buyers, okay. let's just assume, for example, that for that that Bezos is smart enough to not break the moat. Okay, so he's yes. not going to destroy his own moat. Let's um, assume that. So we're going to understand that quality will stay the same. And that Bezos will use the entire rest of the power of Amazon's cash flow to dominate this market. And that means if you own Sprouts right now, SFM, you've got to be looking at exiting that position because the story has changed. So if you look, if you're an owner of Sprouts and your story is we are also a brand and we are competing with price with Whole Foods because we can source cheaper um, and that's why we've got a, a price moat and it might turn out that sprouts cannot source cheaper, which means it does not have a price moat, which means that they can be undercut by a company that has bigger reach like yeah. an Amazon and, and the
1: ability to take losses like an Amazon.
0: And those guys can uh, basically, you just got to pray that Amazon doesn't bring something into your neighborhood because otherwise you're not going to be successfully competing with that company. They can take you out every place you are. So yeah. that looks like a very difficult proposition for a company that needs to grow in order to keep its current market value. Man, I'll tell you what, that looks like a long-term break in in the brand at, uh, at Sprouts to me. And I think you, this
1: is a real rupture in grocery. I think we're seeing the, the change today. Today yeah. is the change.
0: Yeah. yeah, I think this is it. I'd mark it down in the grocery industry that this is when this is when it got disrupted, and this is what th- is going to throw Walmart into a tizzy, Costco into the tizzy, as they as they were starting to step pretty, f- pretty effectively into the sort of natural food organic net market.
1: Oh, Dad, Costco's organic stuff is so good. When was the last time you were in a Costco?
0: I just have, have you been ever Costco, been in a Costco? In once.
1: You've never been in a they Costco. Don't have be one honest. Down here. Okay, so the answer is you've never been in a Costco. I
0: think I went to one once a million years ago in Bellevue. Sure Washington.
1: you did. Sure you did. It was really just a big Walmart, and you got confused. <laughs> Costco is amazing, and it's a totally different thing. Uh, to me, they are. I know they're both in grocery, but. You go to Costco for different stuff than you go to Whole Foods for, so I wouldn't put those in the same category.
0: Okay, and then you know me; I'm always happy to see somebody pounding away at Walmart's moat. Yeah, just because I'm so what they've done. Well, I think just they're going so
1: directly for Walmart with this.
0: Good, I like that. I mean, I,
1: like- I my mom, as you know, lives in a very rural area, and she has told me that everybody she knows orders groceries from Walmart.com. And because they just don't have good grocery options. And the stuff from Walmart is so much less expensive than what they have. And people there don't have a lot of money and they are buying entirely on price. And so they order from Walmart. And if Amazon can can get into that, into that part of the world, into that, that those buyers, I think, yeah, it's going to change everything. Uh, I I guess
0: the world's going to change in a ways that. We can't stop. I'll tell you, just as somebody that really loves the idea of the sort of ethics of small town living, where your 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 income um, and expenditures become somebody else's income in that small town. Um, Yeah, yeah. And the the problem is when everybody's ordering stuff from some you know outlandishly international company, um, you're beggaring your neighbor is really no, what I happens. Mean, you, yeah, you, that's
1: that's why there's a whole push to like buy local and support your local stores. And, yeah,
0: um, and so people, people, I mean, it's we do it to save a buck and I understand that. But if your neighbor is saving a buck and it costs you your job because you can no longer work at the local pharmacy or the local clothing store, or you can no longer support your living as a lawyer, or you can no longer be the insurance agent, I'm telling you, and that happens through all these small towns because of these big box stores and now because of Amazon. It does, yeah. And uh, the next big wave is going to be what would we, would we would look back into the 30s. In 1935, the Congress passed a law, I think it's called the REA law. It's about the rural electri- electrification. And what they did is they took tax dollars and they pushed electricity out into rural counties mm. that otherwise there would be no economic reason to do so. And what I think is coming, what's got to come for these small towns, if people want to live in small towns, is the rural um, one gigabyte broadband spectrum fiber optics. We're going to have to pay for that as taxpayers and shove that out all across America. And when that happens, then these rural towns can indeed compete with downtown to attract new kinds of businesses. You're so right. They're just not going to be able to hang on with what used to support the town square. It just. I mean, the information
1: gap right now between lower income areas and higher income areas is scary, especially for kids coming up who really need to have access to the internet, be readily available, and they don't have it. And for those of us who have it on the regular and live our lives basically on the internet, we can't even imagine life without it. And yet there are lots of people who simply don't have it or have to go to their local library to get it and local libraries are dying. I mean, you're exactly right. That's Uh, the next spot that's gonna come into changing rural
0: life. Yeah, so if you're a politician or you know politicians, tell them to get off their butts and get that Mm -hmm. rolling because that's something everybody in this country could get behind. You know, getting that kind of broadband power out into the poor neighborhoods and out into the rural neighborhoods is the equivalent of putting electricity out there, you know, 170 or 70 years ago. So, yeah. And so
1: I, for investing because mm. that's what we're talking about. Yeah,
0: exactly.
1: <laughs> Let's like what I say to myself when I when we talk about something like that is I got to keep that in mind. You know, like that's what's coming. I got to look as you always say to look 10 years into the future or 20 years into the future. That's what's coming and how do I set up my own um not even investing portfolio but like where I'm putting my money, my support, where am I putting my support financially in this world?
0: And if that sounds hard, it is. So I'm not sure I totally agree with you on that. Um, What? Yeah, I mean, I agree with you in principle and I agree with you emotionally, but as an investor, (laughs) I understand that if we're looking at something that's gonna change the whole world, the question I wanna ask is, is it going to change the way people chew gum? Right. Or is it going to change the way people, you know, enjoy a burrito? Is it going to change those things? And if the answer is no, then I'm feeling much safer as an investor. I, I, it's very hard to pick the companies that are going to be the winners 20 years later in a seismic shift of society. What's oh, yeah. A, what's a lot easier is to pick the companies that are not going to be affected at all by that psychic shift of society. And, and if we can do that, we can be very, very good investors, and we can simply wait to buy those on sale at the next recession, which is something we're going to enjoy sometime pretty soon. I and, think that's
1: a really good point, that that picking companies now that are not going to get affected by imaginary future stuff is where to go right now. But what I, I didn't really mean particular companies, because you're right, like who knows what companies are even going to be around in 20 years. I meant more like industries, general shifts, where to where to be looking. Like, I'm not really gonna look too much at grocery. I'll tell you that.
0: Yeah, and you may be watching carefully if you wanna look at restaurants because yeah. Amazon's acquisition of Whole Foods is the acquisition of a company that's pretty good at delivering restaurant food.
1: Oh, so good.
0: It so is so good. I mean, I you go love, over to a Whole Foods, they've got like four oh. different kinds of food preparation um, stations everything from pizza to to Chinese food, and not to mention the giant servings of salads and all of that. And this all competes against restaurants as well. So if I can have somebody from Amazon's delivery system bring over dinner, then that's one night I don't go out to the restaurant. So this is a very disruptive moment right here. Very, very disruptive. So Absolutely. You want to be looking in in areas that are easy to understand and that are going to be around and be unaffected by these amazing shifts in the way we live. And uh, that's what we want to be invested in.
1: So what I want to know about is looking forward, what? So, okay, fine. You want to pick companies that aren't going to change at all, but I'm a little more interested in companies that might change. And what I want is a John Mackey style. Not that you can ever find another one like him, but a, that kind of style of deeply invested CEO founder type. And I want to know about management. So can we get back to that next time? No. No. <laughs>
0: <laughs> because I want to. I want to talk about another incredibly amazing series of events that happened with Chipotle Mexican Grill. And the norovirus. And it's just amazing. In my view, something that put this company on sale big time. And okay, if we can get through that quickly, we can then go to management. I'm with you, 100%. Do
1: you know people like ask me, why are you guys so obsessed with Chipotle? And I'm like... (laughs) We're not obsessed with Chipotle. Like, I don't even know what you're talking about. And then I realize how much we talk about Chipotle.
0: <laughs> I know. I started writing about it in my first book like 11 years ago. And I, I was buying it at $55 a share. So, yeah, I, okay, there's a bit of a, a thing I've got with Chipotle. I think
1: there's a point at which we just have to admit that, fine, we like Chipotle a lot. Everybody like can it. just deal with it.
0: We like it, deal with it. And also, it's just been such a great example Um, on so many ways. So I think it's a great example, again, um, of the power of a real moat, which can control price. And let's talk about that a little bit next time. And then on to management. I promise. Yes,
1: we'll get get back to what we meant to talk to, talk about, I I promise.
0: Exactly. Okay, until then, I guess guess it's time to go play. What do you think? Yeah.
1: (laughs) All right. Thanks, everybody. Go visit Whole Foods. Let us know what happens.
0: Thanks, you guys. (laughs) Bye. Bye hey thanks for listening to invested we hope you enjoyed this episode head over to investedpodcast.com for our show notes and a special offer on how the podcast listeners can attend my three-day transformational investing workshop for free where we just teach the heck out of you for three straight days we don't sell anything and we get you a scholarship to come to it for free so come on over there and take a look at that and by the way as our lawyers want me to say. Everything discussed on this podcast is either my opinion or Danielle's opinion, my opinion's right, and is not to be taken as investing advice because I am not your investment advisor nor have I considered your personal situation as your fiduciary. So this podcast is just for your entertainment and education only, and I hope you enjoyed it. So until next time, time to go play.